Hello, and welcome to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip off the shrink wrap and get into the messy reality of our lifestyle. I'm Rachel Barth, your hostess with the mostest, and I'm here to open up a big old can of truth and honesty about the joys and pitfalls of polyamory. Today, I was thinking about how hard it is to grow up. It is so hard. Most of us will take any opportunity to avoid it, or maybe just avoid whatever part of it that we can manage to skip out on. Of course, as usual, I am a regular poster child for this topic. It's funny to think about it, what with me being already in my 50s. When I was a kid, I really thought that we all would grow up and become mature adults. But now that I'm here, I see that many of us, maybe even most of us, are faking it. I don't know, maybe this is just actually what adulthood is. We all just limp along as best we can. Everyone's favorite racist uncle, Jordan Peterson, said that without responsibility, life is meaningless. Now, he's awful in many ways, but on this, I actually think he's right. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Am I dating myself with that phrase? Because that's only analog clocks. A broken digital clock is never right because it's blank. But a broken analog clock is right twice a day. Apparently, many kids nowadays do not even know how to read an analog clock. After the singularity overcomes us, that's how we'll be able to identify the members of the resistance, by the faint but steady ticking of our analog watches. Oh my God, why am I like this? So, responsibility. We need to give our lives a purpose, a structure. But we also avoid it, because it's hard, and we're afraid of failing. Or maybe we're just tired, and because we want to stay in a childlike state, free of real responsibility. Have you ever heard someone who's literally already middle-aged say something like, I'm never growing up? I never know what to say to that. I mean, you have to learn how to drive if you want to get a car. I'm sure you could just ride a bicycle your whole life, but then you will never get to swing through the hairpin turns of the Pacific Coast Highway. If you never get a job and earn some money, you'll never get the special pleasure of giving someone a gift that you paid for yourself. We need to grow up so we can access all the benefits available to us as people who are physically adults. So let's look into that. What are some areas where we avoid growing up? Where do we like to avoid responsibility? We might avoid the work of feeling, identifying, and expressing our feelings. We might avoid the responsibility of being the one who chooses. We definitely avoid the responsibility of being the one who says no, especially saying no to ourselves. We might avoid taking ownership of our time and our commitments. We might avoid being appropriately competent in some area, such as caring for our home or our car or maybe in the kitchen or our finances or even in taking care of our own health. One thing I kind of miss about monogamy is how it fully enables this type of behavior. Let me throw out an example. My own wonderful parents. I hope you're not listening, mom and dad, but if you are, I love you. Now, we're talking about two healthy, well-adjusted people here, and they've managed to stay married more than 55 years, 
and still clearly love each other. But, of course, each of them does avoid things. My dad never cleans. I literally don't remember him cleaning or doing laundry. I remember sitting with my mom folding laundry together. Interestingly, my dad does cook. He and my mom alternate cooking days. And when one cooks, the other one does the dishes that way. I think that they have this arrangement in part because when they got married, my mom actually did not really know how to cook. So they both had to learn to cook at the same time. So there was no way for one of them to be like, well, you're good at it. You have to do it. So they both cook and then they both do dishes. So in this respect, they have a marriage to envy. But daddy doesn't really do house cleaning. He also doesn't mow the lawn. I mean, at this point, they're in their 80s, so they have a neighborhood kid to do that. However, my mom also avoids things. She's notoriously bad at shopping for clothing. In fact, my dad buys almost all her clothing. This is why half the time they wind up in matching outfits. And they can be this way because they are married and monogamous. Because when you love someone, it's natural to want to take care of them. And soon, that will become a pattern, and it will solidify like that. But it's not necessarily healthy. Sometimes spouses can come to feel disrespectful or even contemptuous towards their partner or resentful about all the labor that has somehow become their problem. The best examples of this are usually to be found in comedy routines. People have built whole careers on disrespecting their partners. But the bottom line is, you've built your life around this person and losing them is a horrifying thought. So you might find yourself doing a lot of stuff you don't want to do to keep that relationship. You might not even understand that you don't have to do that labor. So this dynamic can become unpleasant very quickly. By now you might be saying, Rachel, didn't you just say that you miss this aspect of monogamy? Yes. Yes, I did. I was a big one for avoiding responsibility around money in particular. And frankly, I do miss being able to act like all that was someone else's problem. I have three longtime partners now, but none of them are under the impression that it's their job to keep me in the style to which I was once accustomed. I wouldn't go back to monogamy or even just to the state of being married. Despite the aggravation of having to earn my own way and pay my own taxes, I find I truly do prefer to have my own freedom. I prefer to finally grow up and fully assume sovereignty over my own money life, even if I occasionally still have moments where I wish these problems were not my problem. I'm optimistic that in another year or so, I might even start to feel like I'm getting there. My mom has also somehow convinced her friends to be in charge of getting her handbags and purses. I suppose she figured out early on that my dad wasn't the right person to buy purses. Or maybe my dad simply failed to pick up on the purse buying work ticket. So here in my mom, we see, in essence, a model of how we might be able to replicate our pattern of avoiding some task by assigning it to our partners 
not merely a spouse, but every partner we have. And I think it's not a bad analog only because my mom has been friends with most of these people for, you know, over 20 years. If my mom called herself a relationship anarchist, she would definitely think of these women as being partners. But she is monogamous, that's not how they think, and so these women are merely called her friends. But she has definitely assigned them, or they have somehow picked up, this task of making sure that my mom always has a nice bag to carry. My mom is polyamorous about not shopping for herself. She just doesn't like shopping at all. If my dad and her friends somehow don't get the right stuff, there's always me and my sister. When I got married way back in the day, I told my wedding party people, including my mom and sister, that they could pick their own outfits within the chosen color scheme, which, of course, involved pink. My mom absolutely could not do it. And my sister simply sent her the same dress that she had chosen for herself. I don't know what happened for my sister's wedding, but I would bet a dime that my sister sent my mom that dress too. And what's more, my mom is not above going shopping in my closet or my sister's. Basically, she just doesn't want to ever go shopping in a store. Meanwhile, my dad wore his friend's tuxedo to my wedding, the guy from across the street, who was the band director at my old high school. During the wedding pictures, the photographer told Daddy to put his hands in his pockets, and Daddy couldn't because the tux had no pockets. Meanwhile, my grandfather wore his summer tuxedo, since he apparently owned both kinds. Meanwhile, my grandmother wore some sort of gauzy lavender moo that looked like it was made from like Indian bedspread material. Kind of like what you would wear to a music festival. They looked as if they were attending two completely different parties. I guess what I'm saying is everyone in my family is funny about clothing. It's okay to not grow up in small ways. And it's okay to have a circle of loved ones who understand your quirks and gently make room for that. But it's not okay when you're not growing up in bigger ways. It was sort of all right for me to be an immature manic pixie about money way back when I had a big strong daddy-o taking care of me like that. Sort of. But it's really, really not okay now. I have to grow up in my money area. And if you, by chance, cannot yet proudly claim to be debt-free with six months' worth of money socked away in a nice savings account, then maybe you also need to grow up in your money area. Really. I think one thing COVID did for us was to brutally yank back the curtains on our money issues. I personally hope to be better prepared for whatever insanity shows up next. Of course, as I write this, I'm assuming it won't be a, a massive collapse caused by defaulting on our national debt. It's actually not okay, no matter what your lifestyle might be, to avoid growing up in your health area. It's not okay to try to make your partner or partners take care of all that for you. Again, this is one of those things that will frequently be acceptable in monogamy. One partner assumes the caregiver position in the household usually because there is a child in the family. 
not to mention all the cooking, cleaning, laundry, and whatnot. Someone has to do all those things. So this caregiver partner will handle all things related to the household and the child. But then, somehow, they also wind up being in charge of their adult partners, doctor and dentist visits. Somehow, even the labor of thinking about these things, of worrying about their partner's health, also becomes the business of the caregiver. Whole books have been written about this offloading of responsibility, and to discuss it thoroughly is definitely outside the scope of this episode. But you know exactly what I mean. This is a very typical feature of partnered life in monogamy. But in polyamory, particularly in solo polyamory, where the person has no nesting partner, this approach is much less likely to work. You might have to take ownership of your own doctor's visits, or conversely, your own ill health. Now, people who have that that caregiver heart often cannot turn it on and off casually. So it's more than possible that you might have a partner who is lining up to take that job on. Caregiving is very intimate, and doing that caregiving feels like a relationship upgrade. Maybe it is, I guess. But when you let that labor slide into someone else's bailiwick, that's you avoiding your own business. If you choose to do this, at least be aware that this is what you're choosing. Solo polyamory is so educational in this way. If you have a caregiver approach to relationships, you might might not even know what to do with yourself outside of that category. You might even feel anxious or insecure without your customary labor in your hands. This is what we see when a parent has empty nest syndrome. The loss of the labor of parenting is as wrenching as being suddenly downsized. The caregiver is at loose ends and has very little idea of who they are now that they can't simply be defined as the parent of their child. So when a caregiver type enters our lifestyle, they might try to fall back on those habits. This will quickly turn out to be unworkable with multiple partners. You might feel satisfaction in cleaning up after your partner, for example. But will you feel that same satisfaction when you understand that the mess you're cleaning up, in fact, was created by your metamor or maybe even just by a casual date? I'm not suggesting that you never, ever do any caretaking. When I got sick with MRSA, yes, flesh-eating bacteria, in my nose, too, it was horrible. I looked like a clown. Anyway, John came and took care of me very tenderly, and that was appropriate, and I was so grateful. But our relationship doesn't revolve around him parenting me. The caregiving is a gift rather than a regular feature. Polyamory encourages this approach. With so many adults involved, it's almost impossible to do that thing where you gradually turn into their mom and then no longer look sexy to them because now you're mom. So, in fact... Polyamory works to steer you towards growing up, whether you are the caregiver or the one who used to soak up all that care. You learn to stand on your own two feet, both physically and emotionally. 
This is especially true for people that have avoided taking full ownership of their own schedule. A lot has already been said about that particular area, so I'll just let it go at that. You cannot be successful in our lifestyle if you can't keep track of your commitments and your schedule. I'm feeling this one a lot lately myself. I started two, yes, two new jobs, and oof, it's a lot. But after a couple of weeks of flailing desperately, I went back into my trusty electronic calendar, and I scheduled things more precisely. A decade in polyamory has forced me to develop those skills. The other skill I've really been forced to learn is saying no to myself and to other people and to opportunities. It's hard to turn away from something sparkly and new. But if you don't learn to say no, then your yes becomes a lot less meaningful. Your engagement becomes shallow and thin because your energy is too diffuse. This was so difficult for me. First of all, I'm not great at saying no. But also, I'm delighted by new people and new things to try. These days, I try to channel most of that into my meetup groups. I get to meet lots of new people without blowing up my life. These last two areas where I had to grow up a good bit actually hit home right here and now. I had to be a grown-up about my scheduling and my commitments in order to keep this podcast happening. Instead of having wide-open mornings almost every day of the week where I could write when I felt like it and record when I felt like it and, you know, play video games on my phone when I felt like it, I simply don't have those luxuries anymore. I have to schedule my writing time. I have to schedule my recording time. And I have to stick to that recording schedule or I won't be able to keep my commitment. I had to grow up about my scheduling. And on that note, I think we will finish up for now. Thank you for listening. Do you have any topics you want to hear about on this podcast? Please get in touch with me at unlimitedheartcoaching at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at unlimitedheartfreedom. Drop me a DM. I will answer. I appreciate you all so very much, and I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.